Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 1993 film Super Mario Brothers. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, you should just be aware that elements of the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Paddy Johnston, he's a Johnston. <laughs> that, that's a good start. I like that. That tune has been in my head all week. <laughs> Damn straight. Especially Damn straight. while I was um, just now clearing my garden of the 30 to 50 feral hogs that emerged <laughs> from the bushes <laughs> while, I, while I, my son was outside trying to play for three to five minutes specifically. Yeah, you know what? I I often hate the amount of time I spend on Twitter, but I was I was there watching that unfold at real time, and it was spectacular seeing a meme in its own creation. Oh, I I'm never there when these things are emerging. I always like what happens is I get to work in the morning. I open Twitter to do work tweets, and then I see that hashtag Feral Hogs is trending. <laughs> Or by which time Adam has texted me and been like, um, um, "Have you have you caught up with the whole feral hogs thing?" (laughs) It was it was so incredible. Uh, You know, I I love it when things like that take off. Yeah, Um, pigs can fly, right? (laughs) Pigs can fly. It's just a little Um, airborne. It's still good. Uh, my favorite thing was someone who created a tiny little mini video game out of it really where it is you with a machine gun and 30 to 50 feral hogs in a field <laughs> i guess how hard could it be to create that game not that uh, i know right yeah why um, didn't i so, think yeah, of that it exists <laughs> yeah and no, twitter has been very very good this week because you had that and then like have you seen how smash mouth are just absolutely killing it on twitter been... yes yeah. smash mouth are Full on incredible. Yeah, they are just my favorite people in the whole world right now. And genuinely, because they're doing so well at Twitter and being so like sort of performatively sort of punk rock woke in their tweet style, I've genuinely gone back and listened to some of their music. And I think it's time for a critical reappraisal. Walking on the Sun is a tune. The only thing I would say about that about that song, which I do love, I do. It is a very blatant ripoff of a Doors song. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. Is it called I've Taken a Shitload of Drugs and I Can See Things? Yes, that's exactly (laughs) it. That was that was the name of every single Doors song, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then when it came to the late the record label ruining their vibe, they yeah the man had to give them song names like good song names like break on through to the other side whereas in reality in reality that song was just called i can see the wind (laughs) (laughs) i can see the wind um i i'm on the fence about the doors i think a couple of their songs are really good but yeah they don't deserve the position that they offer in that they hold in popular culture and jim morrison was not a poet he was very high 
see, I am of a complete opposite reaction where I think there's been this massive backlash against The Doors, which is completely undeserved. And it's people looking at a band from the 60s through the lens of today. Um, because the doors yes that's a fair point actually the doors were doing things that nobody else was doing at the time and taking risks that nobody would get away with taking today um that you listen to something like riders on the storm or the end obviously as a quintessential crazy freak out song (laughs) um my only friend the and 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 then an awful rhyme and then it works and it does work and there was something magical about them um and so when people today say, oh, they're rubbish, they were so bad, how cheesy, it's like, did you listen, you listen to what else was around at the time? All of it was fucking cheesy twee bullshit. Yeah, this is true. This All is of it true. was. And then, and then you had these people that came and added this little twinge of darkness and this little twinge of melancholy into their stuff and this little, this little snippet of danger. And they didn't and have like, a bass what? player. It was just the guy on the keyboard. They didn't. The clav just yeah. going, bop, bop, bop. I love that. And so, yeah, I, I, I will forever stand the doors. Um, I, I always think if the doors were around a little bit later, they would have been an excellent, they, they would have fitted in perfectly as a kind of um, post-punk or goth band. And that's where yeah. they would have fitted in seamlessly with with like uh, the stylings and the musical style of, of, of that era, Definitely. rather than trying to create something new out of something much earlier and trying to do something entirely original. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I think the film where Val Kilmer plays him is quite good. Oh, yeah, he's he's brilliant in that. Um, that's a really great movie. Good old Val. One of, th- one of those few biopics that doesn't entirely bore me. Yeah, but which um, which Doors song is it that Smash Mouth have ripped off? I never thought I'd say I that can't sentence. Remember. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Uh, if I search Smash Mouth the Doors... Smash the Doors mouth... But yeah, I like that song. Oh, hopefully, someone else, some hopefully somebody else will have made that connection. And you know what else as well? Smash Mouth's version of "I'm a Believer" is far superior to the original. Come at me, fans of the Monkees. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I I do agree with you there. That is a that is um, an excellent cover version. Yep. Very good. Um, for, for me, for me though, Smash Mouth's legacy will forever be the film. Oh, what's it called? The the race film with with Mr. Bean in it. Oh, um, Rat Race. Rat Race. Yeah, it's, yeah. It will forever be the. We should the talk end about that film thing because it's one of my dad's favorite films. <laughs> at the at the end of Rat Race, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's Smash Mouth!" <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure we've talked about that scene here before, but that is a great scene. No, to me, their their <laughs> legacy will be two things. Firstly, Smash Mouth Recipes from the Road with Forward by Guy Fieri, which is a book that I own, thanks to friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, and which is incredible. And telling Neil deGrasse Tyson to fuck off on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it was just beautiful. And not enough people tell him to fuck off. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Tyson. He's a fucking wanker. He, he is the knob <laughs> of the week for doing literally... A, I retweeted it from the podcast account. It's the proper strong contender for the worst tweet of all time. It's basically a kind of whataboutism tweet about like mass shootings in the US. It's about, oh, and, and any average day in, across 48 hours, we also lose 500 people to medical errors and 300 to the flu and 200 to car accidents, whatever. It's like, so what, you fucking knob? Like, yeah, it's that tweet is wrong and stupid on so many levels. And he's supposed to be an intelligent guy. But so many of these like logic, reason, science types just have literally zero emotional intelligence. But it's not even the fact that it was tone deaf. It's just the fact that it's wrong politically and culturally as well. 
Anyway, ran over because the only logical response to that is what Smash Mouth is, which was to tell them in all cap all caps, fuck you, there's your data. <laughs> which was the per- but, to be fair, there is a second response, which is to give him a massive wedgie and call him a nerd. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That if if I see him, if I run response. into him in the street, I'm gonna give him a noogie. <laughs> Um, because I'm going to flush your head down the toilet, Neil deGrasse Tyson. It, it does kind of just steal your prove... lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does just kind of prove that yes, you can do good science stuff, but good science on its own, without any notion of empathy, is entirely redundant. Yes, exactly. And he's issued like a non-apology for it as well, which is like I'm sorry, I'm sorry you if offended. you were offended by my reason and logic. I'll go back to talking about how sci-fi movies are inaccurate now, which is my only oh. skill. That is the most tedious shit in the world, talking <laughs> about inaccuracies in sci-fi films. Yeah, it's sci-fi, w- you dick. There wouldn't be the sound of an explosion because it's in space. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> give, give Princess Leia wouldn't guns. be able to fly through space, said the guy who <laughs> let there be... <laughs> like Jowers, a scene earlier. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No shit, shit. Sorry, like, that, that's probably annoyed a lot of thing. Star Wars fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, there really are some awful people out there, including speaking us. Of I- <laughs> speaking of irate nerds, uh, let's talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah, did did nerds get irate about this? See, because oh, yeah. I've never looked into the critical response to it that much, other than that I know that it was a financial and critical bomb. Um, but I've always kind of just seen it as this kind of this this quirky thing that I've always sort of quite enjoyed as a curio. But I never saw it as a kid. I think I, I first saw it probably at university, um, possibly with you. Although, as I said, my memory is hazy. But um, I really, really love it from that point of view i think it's just this brilliantly weird thing that's sort of strangely connected to something that i like and that was a huge part of my childhood but also is like a really fucked up version of that in the best possible way um and i remember actually sort of seeing posters for it when i was a kid and thinking that just doesn't look like mario that looks like they've tried to do something with mario and i think even at the age of five or six i could tell that it was drastically wrong and i was like i don't ever want to see that yeah see I don't know whether it's just to do with the You fact. probably watched it when you were five. Yeah, I watched this when I was very young. Um, and for me, at least, I have this huge nostalgia for this movie. And then called but... your mum an egg-sucking son of a snake. <laughs> exactly. Um, but wh- whereas a lot of things that I watched when I was a kid, that kind of nostalgia fades and you realise that what you enjoyed is an abhorrent mess that only children could enjoy... Um, I still absolutely love this movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I earnestly love it because it is a bizarre monster. This kind of stitched together Frankenstein's monster of different styles with this really weird, like, upbeat music in the background as you yeah. see this this horrible it's got that, dystopia. Like... It's got that cheeky 90s music. It's got like a musical theme that keeps on returning in almost every scene that wouldn't be out of place in a film like Beethoven. Yeah, exactly. It would <laughs> it, it would be perfect for Beethoven or films like Baby's Day Out, something like that. It's just sort of... That's it. <laughs> that was my earworm of the week until I went back and listened to Smash Mouth's Walking on the Sun, which has been my uh, earworm okay. of the week. And um... also, um, you know that... just. As a, as a tangent, but you know that R. White's advert with the secret lemonade drinker? 
I have, don't. What? Know. Oh, have we not talked about this? I feel like we've talked about this. This is the best advert of all time. It's it's a 70s advert for R. White's Lemonade. And it's um it's Ross McManus, who is Elvis Costello's dad, um, who basically just looks like an older version of Elvis Costello in big like NHS specs. And he's wearing pajamas and he's creeping down the stairs going and it's a song, it's a musical advert, he's going, I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Oh whites. Oh whites. I don't even I think I've only heard about it because my dad used to talk about it all the time. Um and yeah, anyway, he comes downstairs and he's like pretending these are all quiet and then he gets the bottle of our white's lemonade and he's pretending to sing into it very loudly like a microphone and then his wife comes down and he's like our white's lemonade i've just described the whole advert for you there you go <laughs> I, I appreciate it uh, but yes. anyway adam and i were talking about the the game secret hitler the other day are you aware of the game secret hitler no what is it's this? it's made by um the guys who made cards against humanity and it's like a, a sort of a role-playing game where one of you is assigned the role of hitler and the rest of you have to work out who it is through a series of cards and boards and stuff it looks oh, okay. really really fun and i've never played it but we were talking about it and then adam told me that he was a secret lemonade hitler and then that was my earworm <laughs> for the rest of the week <laughs> I'll, I'll, oh. I'll send you a link after this i'll put it in the show notes it's just the perfect advert excellent. excellent i will enjoy that and, it's just, and nobody's um, heard of it. I'm, all, I'm always like, it's one of those things where like it's only funny to you, but you sort of try and drop it in anywhere. Like we were at a barbecue the other day with lots of other parents who are our age who hadn't seen an obscure lemonade advert for the 70s and they had our white's lemonade. So of course I sang it and no one knew what the hell I was on about. And then I had to explain myself. I'm just, I'm an embarrassing dad already. This is what happens. <laughs> well, I think you need to embrace it. Yeah, get, get double down on the embarrassment. Oh no, I, I fully intend to embarrass my son as much as possible at every opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to make him watch the Super Mario Brothers film and then quote it at him all the time. Oh, go for it! Go <laughs> tell for him it. that I don't eat anything with a face. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just and can we just talk a moment? So, um, you know what? A lot of people focus on the crazy ideas behind this movie the the bizarre blend of kids comedy blade runner uh, <laughs> you can tell that the product the um production designers worked on blade runner can't you it's 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 really it's incredible so great um and and then but but what's often overlooked in that is that there's these amazing little lines of dialogue in this film that have me howling and one of them is i'm a vegetarian i don't eat anything with a face <laughs> which i think is um called back to in scott pilgrim and um you know there's there's the vegan guy todd and he's like i don't eat the 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 flesh or the ovum of anything with a face ah yes you're right yeah i i I think this must be the origin of i imagine so yeah um and and so yeah that's um it's got these great little quips like that which is you know that's really really funny yeah, the two like um, idiot henchmen are so funny. Yeah, it, it's um, great. Fisher Stevens and the other guy whose name I can't remember. But um, uh, there's, Richard when Edson, they're, um, isn't it? Yeah, Richard Edson. The bit they've been um, they've been evolved. So the one of the hilarious things of like bad science. This would annoy the hell out of Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'm sure, and his science buddies. Is that there's like an evolution machine that can evolve or de-evolve you if you go in it, and they get evolved, and all it means is that they they put on a, put on British accents and start using long words to make it look like they've evolved slightly and they're clever. Do you know what the talking... square root of 7,826 <laughs> is? 
and they're um they're talking mario and luigi have captured them and they're tra- he's trying to get some information from them about the woman who's got the diamond it's this her name is big bertha like the golf club <laughs> she's the bouncer of the the nightclub and the um the guy goes was she corpulent very corpulent <laughs> and that made me just absolutely howl i laughed out loud on the train and everyone looked at me <laughs> it is so great though isn't it it's it, um... it is true truly a great film and i think the only reason that it occupies this weird space that it, it it bombed at the time and people now look back on it as this huge awful shit piece is because it's attached to the idea of super mario brothers and that as a franchise but it is so far removed from that um in every possible way it's just that it carries the name and the legacy of being the attempt to do that if this was just made as a completely separate sci-fi film with all of the same stuff but without it being necessarily mario and luigi i mean yeah you you wouldn't be able to get away with all the plumber stuff and whatever but if you were if it was made just completely independently of that it still might not have gone down well at the time but it might be one of those films that i suspect now would develop a cult following and would be looked back on as a a film that was potentially ahead of its time or as a sort of a curio and an an ambitious film that didn't quite work but had a lot to love Um, whereas i think just the the association of of it with mario actually ruined what was what could have been a really really interesting and great film and a huge success See, see what what I think about this film is that it reminds me in a lot of ways of a sci-fi cult classic from the eighties called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which I don't mm. know if you've ever seen. No, I'm aware of it. Um, it and and again, that's a very strange, uh, overly stylized, completely unrealistic sci-fi movie about traveling through dimensions and stuff like that. Um, and that has developed this huge cult following over the years, partly because it's got this incredible cast that includes Peter Weller, who played Robocop, um, and uh, our, our favourite Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, and John Lithgow. And John Lithgow, it yep. It's really, really good. Uh, very strange. And what, what, I've, what I realised when I was re-watching it this time, because I've not watched this movie in a few years, um, is that if you dialed up the weirdness and added a little bit more deliberate comedy into this movie, um, it would be a perfect kind of foil to the likes of Men in Black or mm. kind of the 21 Jump Street style of comedy where it's got this very knowing, deliberate goofiness to it. Um, because it, it, in the movie, there's these great moments where... Um, so Mario's girlfriend, uh, Daniela, also gets kidnapped alongside Princess Daisy. In a moment, we'll go into the actual plot in case anyone hasn't seen it or watched it and had no idea what was going on, which is also very, very likely. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but there's this great line where they've, they've rescued Daisy, but, um, but not Daniela. And nobody actually knows that Daniela's there apart from Daisy. And so Daisy Mario says, says, he promised to take her to WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. Daniela, I promised I'd take her to WrestleMania. At <laughs> that point, I hadn't even really picked up on the fact that who Daniela was or that Mario had a girlfriend. And I was like, but yeah, of course Mario would take his girlfriend to WrestleMania. He's good like that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good guy. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think this movie is really heavily maligned. And, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that this was the first big video game movie. A lot was riding on it. Um, there was the idea of, because at the time there was still that discussion piece about, oh, video games truly a piece of art. Can they tell a good story? And so there was yeah. this heavy And everyone focus. thought they were for kids as well. Yes. The other thing. They were like, Nintendo video games, that is for my children. This is not a thing that I do. It's it's a world away from today's video game landscape where everyone and his brother plays FIFA or Call of Duty. Yeah, because um, 
Although video games were enjoyed by people of all different ages before the age of Nintendo, um, Nintendo came in after the big video game crash, which kind of took out Atari and really focused on video games as toys. And so there was this big picture of them as only to be enjoyed by kids. Um, And although companies like Sega with the um, Sega Mega Drive or Genesis um, tried to make it a little bit more adult, tried to really sort of tap into that teen market, there was still this very big idea of video games for children. And so there was this sort of idea of, oh, they can't tell a good story. They can't be a narrative in the way that a a film is structured. So why should we why should we care about this film and so from a from a gaming perspective and from a mario fan perspective a lot was riding on this movie to be like yeah it's going to be great um and it's not really a super mario brothers story let's be honest no so so should we absolutely is should we go over (laughs) the 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 basis of this movie it's definitely worth doing just to <laughs> just to, to refresh my memory and to check that i understood it right. so so let's do i remember from when we were back at university there was that test of can you explain the plot in a sentence and if not it's not a good plot yeah yeah what's the what's the elevator pitch yeah so 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 let's hear your take on an elevator pitch for super mario brothers okay two plumbers from brooklyn stumble across um, an alternate dimension in which people have evolved from dinosaurs instead of um, monkeys and the evil dinosaur king is trying to merge that world with ours for evil reasons that are never really explained they and they they there's a sexy girl involved that one of them wants to get with and she's the princess of that world what was raised in this world and then um, they go over there and there's a whole bunch of action scenes and then they kill the evil evil reptile king and stop him from merging the two worlds and then they go back to Brooklyn and have spaghetti. <laughs> that was a very good job. That was one sentence, it, but it was a long one. It, you you missed out the 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 hugely important fungus element of this movie. Oh yeah. Um the word fungus is said a ridiculous amount of times in this film. I missed out that the Goombas are dancing again. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Goombas. I I mean we always thought it was Goombas. Because that's British and British intelligent pronunciation equals intelligence. But um, yeah, I always pronounced it Goomba. And then I remembered that it's Goomba. Goomba. Because we're from Brooklyn. Goomba. Um, so, so yeah, that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good one sentence version of this. So, so Mario and Luigi, they are brothers, but... Mario, Mario and Luigi. Mario, Mario, Mario and Luigi Mario. Which is canon. Which is canon. That is official um they uh they are plumbers in brooklyn um they stumble and they're down on their luck they're down on their luck because of course they are um because there's this evil bunch of plumbers slash contractors slash mobsters called scapelli who is a proper creep like a proper mobster creep um and they stumble across this woman called daisy who is running a dig site for a university because they found all of these strange bones and these bones portrait like they are for uh dinosaur bones but there's all of these strange human elements to them how very mysterious um so one night they're down in the dig site because she and luigi fancy each other um when it starts uh flooding because the darn scapellis have gone in and ruined it all um and, and you scapelli 
<laughs> and then the uh the good old uh the good old mario brothers they go in and they save the day but at the same time daisy gets kidnapped by these two very strange individuals and they travel through what appears oh, to yeah, be I, I didn't even mention the two hench dudes <laughs> iggy and spike um is that their name yes like the uh, uh bowser the kids the cooper yeah. kids and they travel through what appears to be a solid rock wall uh, in my favourite Bob Hoskins impression, that's solid rock. Um, and then they, uh, it turns out that that's a portal to another dimension. And so they go through the other dimension, and dinosaur men live there. Apart from they look like us, they're just they're literally just humans, humans descended from dinosaurs. Um, yeah, this movie it does not do an awful lot of good in terms of how uh, evolution works, uh, because all of the all of the dinosaur people. They look exactly like um, they look exactly like we would do, and they sort of have no idea about you know uh, what would happen if uh, if 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 it was dinosaurs who had evolved. They probably wouldn't have ape-like bodies, and they'd probably yeah. have scales <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but you know what, Neil deGrasse Tyson is very happy yeah. about that. And, and and what I love is that so many people must have been really angry about that. You can just imagine someone being like, they wouldn't look like that. King Cooper wouldn't look like that. Bowser looks like this. Yeah, Bowser, a King Cooper. He's never called, referred to as Bowser, is he? So it's no. Cooper. And, and Cooper... He looks extremely Trump-esque. And that's the amazing obviously thing. obviously this is like 20 plus years before Trump, 25 years. That, and, and that is the amazing thing about this movie, really, isn't it? That he is so much like Donald Trump as president. Yeah, um, his his face, his mannerisms, the way he talks yeah yeah all of it is really scary it's incredible that they managed to basically yeah <laughs> predict donald trump <laughs> however many years before it's amazing dennis dennis hopper who is incredible in this movie i love him in this he is unbelievable this is one of his best performances <laughs> i, I, I think. mean i really love him as a chewing the scenery villain he didn't do it that much um he often played really sort of interesting character uh he, he did a lot of character acting um, as seen in the, in the likes of Apocalypse Now and things like that, um, but he he had a great habit for playing really shitbag villains in big movies, and every time he did it, he he blew it out of the water, didn't he? Yeah, you get the feeling that he didn't take it that seriously, but at the same time, he still sort of put a lot into it yeah. in terms of his physical performance, which just really what works. He just comes across completely and utterly mad. <laughs> it's a real deranged performance from him. Um, but yeah, yeah, so he wants to bridge the two dimensions. Yeah, and it's not really clear why or what will happen when that does happen. Or is it just because the... the Well, yeah, there's a bit where he's looking at like a model of the, the planet of the dinosaur dimension and it's literally just the city that's their version of new york and the rest of the planet is a desert and you're like you wouldn't be able to have all of the stuff that's in new york if you didn't have the rest of the other planet for it <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is pretty hilarious so i assume it's just because he wants more stuff yes yeah uh, I, that's it isn't it is that dinosaur dimension is terrible yeah and they supposedly have an election coming up because there's like election posters everywhere but then there's no mention of that like other candidates or whatever i want the west wing but for the Dinosaur Land Cooper election, I want that show. Or um, yeah, I'd House of Cards. <laughs> yeah, House of Cards for the Cooper Dimension. That is the show that Netflix need to make now. Uh, for, for years, I have wanted a vote. House of Cooper. For years, I've wanted a vote Cooper t-shirt from the design of this movie. 
it's it's like my number one thing or a poster of vote cooper from this film does that not exist? it does not exist and i'm i'm gonna make it for properly you properly bummed out about it because it's such a there's so many great iconic moments of design in this film all of the all of the vote cooper stuff is incredible um that the whole design of of cooper city is like outrageous as well this 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 cyberpunk version of the mushroom kingdom with like all of these things so like the metro designs are like are like those of new york um you've, you've got like triple x movie theaters showing movies like i was a teenage mammal it's just absolutely <laughs> horrific the stuff that's happening in this. that's that's really good attention to detail as well but yeah this is the thing this film had a big budget and it actually spent it well um, even though people would probably disagree with that. But in terms of the, the visual effects and the aesthetic and the details and all of those things, the world that they created visually actually, I think, was amazing and really ahead of its time. And there are a lot of films like this where it's a bit of a, a sort of a sci-fi ship piece that doesn't really work. It's usually often because that attention to detail isn't there or the sets haven't been designed well. The production designers have phoned it in or because they haven't had the budget to go big and to make something like this. But yeah, the world that they've created there is actually incredible to look at. Yeah, they went they went really big on this movie, and actually, I think it's a believable world. You know, it, in yeah. a, in as far as this kind of movie is believable, I I really dig the aesthetic of this film. And from a from a direction perspective, you've got that cyberpunk, you've got uh, Tim Burton's Batman elements of that with the kind of gothic skylines mixed with the cyberpunk elements. Um, you've got moments of absolute psychedelica as well, like where when when they travel through the portal and you just see Bob Hoskins floating in this <laughs> colourful void of lights. Um, it's yeah, gorgeous. Going, ah! Like this is a gorgeous movie. It really reminds me of a lot of those kind of films that came out around the same time. Um, these kind of cyberpunk dystopian movies like Strange Days, which is a great movie by Kathleen Bigelow that was also a, a huge commercial flop. Um, uh, and again, that's become this cult classic over time. Um, or films like Johnny uh, Johnny Mnemonic, Mnemonic, I can never pronounce Mnemonic. it. Um, which is a really good uh, a really good movie starring Keanu Reeves um, as this guy who he stores data in his head basically, and he's like a data courier. Um, but oh, uncovers Keanu. this giant conspiracy that, if I remember correctly, the conspiracy revolves around a hyper intelligent porpoise. <laughs> that is holding government secrets or something like that super off the wall film but again that's this classic this cult classic of the era and i think that super mario brothers the movie could hold that same space as this oh, uh, this yeah. bizarre film from an era that we're never going to see another movie like this again and if you did detach it from the super mario brothers it is this wonderful strange science fiction movie yeah definitely it's it's really weird but in the in the best possible way and as long as you're the kind of person who's able to separate it from from the super mario video game whatever your level of involvement with that is then you'll have a great time with it i'm sure yeah and even if you can't separate it just think of it as this bizarre uh like parallel universe mario I I would yeah. I would love to, that's what it is. I'd love to play a video game based in this universe. How great yeah, would that, that would be? actually be? Really, it would be fun. so much fun. You get to use the de de evolve ray. Yeah, use the de evolve ray. A little a little trivia for you: the de evolve guns were just uh, super scopes for the Super Nintendo, uh, but spray uh, spray painted. That's really cool. 
See, that that's a nice level of detail and a bit of an Easter egg for people to appreciate. They really yeah. did think about this stuff. Yeah, so actually I am I am fully on board with with the Super Mario Brothers movie. I don't care who knows. I love I love this film. And it's not just the nostalgia because I can go back to it and watch it and genuinely enjoy it as a piece of like this 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 weird weird film that somehow happened to exist yeah i'm really glad that this exists and the the effects don't look dated do they you look at it and you're like okay yeah we have much more advanced stuff now but they don't look clunky yeah that's the thing is that you know you've got that that odd element of cgi which looks a bit dated here and there but still a lot of it is done with practical effects and i think that's the big difference um where that practical stuff is is really um it it really works still um like like let, let's talk about some of the weird shit that happens in this movie right the movie opens with a human child hatching from a giant egg yep with and some it is, nuns who look like scottish widows and it is disgusting it, it, it's it's a gooey it's a scene that's full of goo and grossness um with this screaming child in it and the the first thing you think is this is a movie designed for children and this is how you're opening yeah, it up with this, nasty. this this David Lynch-esque body horror show. Um but but it but it, well, feel... it before that, isn't there like an eight bit dinosaur thing with Bob Hoskins doing a voiceover <laughs> telling you the plot? Yeah, so I don't I don't think he was the narrator. I think the narrator was um uh what's his name who voices the Simpsons? Hank Azaria. Dan Dan Castellaneta. No, Dan yes oh, yeah right. that's I, right i thought yeah. it was just bob Hoskins. um no no and yeah so, so there's this little narrative saying the dinosaurs got blown up but what if they came back oh yeah <laughs> and then after that it immediately cuts to child being born out of an and egg it's hilarious that in terms of films with dinosaurs in the mid-1993 you had this and also jurassic park which is considered to be oh. like one of the best films of all time, like period. Uh, it's definitely yeah, the best and, film and I, with dinosaurs in. And I imagine that the comparison didn't do this movie any favours. Um, because let's be honest here, Jurassic Park is one of the greatest movies of all time. And as much as I love Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> it probably wouldn't consider it one of the greatest movies of all time. No, it's it's a curio. It's a film that I think I really like and I think you really like as well, but objectively it's not necessarily good but it's not bad either this is the thing it's objectively a good film but it's not yeah it's not amazing incredible like top 10 films of all time objectively yes yeah um exactly um and so i don't think the era in which it came out i mean it's, it's really... not the bridges of madison county no ex- you know there's no fucking on the linoleum in this movie it's been a while since we talked about that one <laughs> <laughs> bringing yeah, it back the bridges of mario county <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, this was made two years before the Bridges of Madison the, County. So, what is it? Donut Bridge that it is in Mario? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The yeah. Donut Bridges of Mario County. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a strange film. It really is, and I love it so much. Hey, maybe they could have got Clint Eastwood to play King Cooper. He was probably busy. Oh, they could have done. Speaking of which, though, let's have a little moment to appreciate the cast of this movie. It very good all around. So, Bob and everyone involved in this film hated it. Let Let's be clear about that. They all had a terrible time. They all knew they were making a piece of trash. I read one piece about it. Just the, some of the details and stuff. It said that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were like drinking whiskey in between takes. <laughs> they yes. didn't really care. And then they were all like smoking weed. 
as yeah, well. Yeah, it was absolute chaos behind the scenes. And that Fisher Stevens and Tom, oh, Richard Richard Edson were just making up their lines because the, the lines that the studio gave them were so bad, they just started making them, them up and the directors didn't care. Because that's the thing, is that, um, well, well, first, you know what? The, the, this the 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 cast of this film is great bob hoskins john leguizamo dennis hopper samantha mathis fisher stevens richard edson fiona shaw who everybody loves now because of killing eve oh, um I and seen then that. and then you've got lance henriksen as well there's a little cameo as the king at the end uh who who turns back from fungus into being a human being somehow <laughs> yeah um, that's not explained at all it's not explained who needs to explain it um and so it's this it's this great cast um but where this movie fell down was the fact that it is a absolute chaotic failure of movie creation so from the word go this was a troubled production um constant script rewrites two directors that everybody hated and who apparently treated everyone like trash um from the actors through to all of the crew um if if you read up on it in more detail we won't go into all the details here but i do recommend that you read up on this because it's an <laughs> absolute horror show of a production yeah um it sounds really, really, really awful bad. um and so i'm not surprised that everybody hated making this film so much and when um, you the- know about the production history actually and then you watch it you actually are amazed by how good it is considering all of that yes uh, because there's the moments of real artistic flourish and there's it's a memorable movie um, and I don't just mean that because it's so bad, it's memorable, but bits of this film will stick with you in a positive way. And and you're, it, it's kind of astounding that that could even happen with a film that had this troubled a production cycle, because a lot of the time when that happens, films just fall apart and you can really tell. And you can tell that this was a troubled movie. You know, it is, it is a film with a lot of different personalities. Um, but even so, there's something magic about it, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. It's 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 got a thread that pulls it all together, which is just the sort of goofiness of it and the the dystopian concept of it, and the the fact that everyone is sort of it, not enjoying what they're doing, but still sort of having a laugh while they're doing it. And because actually no one takes it too seriously, it doesn't end up coming across as po faced, which I think it actually easily could do if everyone performed it really seriously, as such that they are kind of aware of the the goofiness of it. Yeah, it needed people to be chewing on the scenery. Absolutely. It, it you know, it needed it needed Dennis Hopper, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's Dennis the one Hopper. who carries it. Bob Hoskins yeah. is brilliant though. His his sort of angry dad Mario is just great. Yes, yeah. Because I I want to tell you something, right? When I was a kid, I had no idea that Bob Hoskins was British because the two things that I'd seen him in were this and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> and, and and that was the two things that like uh, introduced me to Bob Hoskins. So then when I watched something else of him in and he was British, I was like, oh, is he British or is he American? Yeah. <laughs> and he's got this incredibly thick like Brooklyn accent. And it's the same as in this and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, obviously. Um, he almost sounds like Danny DeVito in this film. And I think at some point they had considered Danny DeVito for the lead. Yes. Which, which would have been. And no, very, they wanted very... they wanted him to both star and direct as well. Uh, okay. Can you imagine? Well, in in terms of the next movie, I don't want to spoil it too early for you, but there's some Devito love in the next movie. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to that. Sorry, I was just looking at Bob Hoskins. He was in Snow White and the Huntsman before he died. Was that that shit film we watched where Gary Oldman wouldn't shut up about the wolf? 
was that that something else? um, That was um, uh, Red Riding Hood. Oh god, yeah, similar, similar kind of thing. Oh yeah, no, I, oh no, I haven't seen this. It's got a Hemsworth in it. One of those Hemsworths they have now. (laughs) It's got the good Hemsworth though. No, hang on, you got Bob Hoskins and Ray Winston in the same film. (laughs) It's not possible. (laughs) It's not allowed. Um, yeah, that it's a Snow White and a Huntsman's a weird film because you get the idea that it should be much better than it is, and it ends up being quite a boring film. I, I do not get the idea that it should be better than it is. Well, if you watch the trailers and things like that, there's some genuinely interesting direction going on. Um, particularly the sequel, which I think is The Winter War or something like that. There's a sequel, yeah but they both end up just being incredibly boring, which is a real shame. Because <laughs> again, they have, you know, they've got some great people in it. The sequel had um, uh, Charlie Theron, Chris Hemsworth, Jessica Chastain, Emily Blunt, oh, wow. Nick Frost, Rob Brydon. Uh, it was a, a really great selection of people, but it just ended up being quite a boring movie, um, which is a, a problem if you're making a film about fantastic beasts and where to find them and it ends up being dull. Uh, <laughs> Which was not a, a, was not the problem with Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grumblebutt. Did you, did you see it? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I, went, I went to the premiere, as I said. But yeah, I, I love it, and I love The Wizarding World so much, but that film is two and a half hours of exposition. There's no way around that. Yeah, I've, I heard some quite bad things about it, particularly the end. Um, the end explanation and shocking plot twists I heard there was not so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Super Mario Brothers, for all its sins... No shocking plot twists. No shocking plot twists. It kind of resolves itself quite cleanly. King Cooper's an evil guy. They kill the evil guy. Everyone rejoices. There you go. Uh, the, it, it ends on a cliffhanger. The sequel bait that will never arrive, which is a shame. I know, yeah. Daisy shows up and she's like, I need your help. I want that film to get made. I would definitely we should kickstart it. Do you reckon all the stupid nerds who kickstarted them to make a like to remake the last Jedi 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 <laughs> Last Jedi <laughs> Last God. Jedi I'm so um, tired. <laughs> from now on I'm going to call Jedi Jedi. Just to annoy sounds, people. Sounds Welsh. Or like a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like a good mature Jedi. A bit of Jedi. <laughs> Some crackers. Yeah. Um, I reckon. Yeah. Do you reckon all the nerds who gave their money towards the, the fruitless project of remaking The Last Jedi would give their money to us instead? I think so. <laughs> I definitely think so. Not that I want the money from those fuckboys. I take, I take their money. Yeah? Yeah, of course I would. I'd have no inclination to do anything that they wanted with it, but I'd take their money to make a sequel. No, you're right. I totally would. And then, yeah, what would you do? It'd be Daisy... Yeah, what do you think is going on back in the dino world? See, that's the thing. Do you reckon it was following on? Do you reckon that they'd actually introduce Bowser this time around? Yeah, yeah, because Bowser and Cooper are different. They're not the same thing. Yeah, it's... Maybe it was like Cooper was just a warm-up act for Bowser, and then suddenly he appeared out of the desert and started, like, wreaking havoc and swirling his tail around and hitting you with his tail and getting inside his shell and being angry and stuff. Yeah, because... Wait, um... I've got it. It would have been a Mario Kart movie where they have to go into the dino dino world and like beat Bowser in a whole bunch of races around all the different places. How, <laughs> you... how awesome would that be? Like a, a like dystopian cyberpunk Mario Kart movie. 
we have to get this made. Fast and Furious, but dystopian yeah. future. You got Mad Max overtones to Fast it. and I'm Furious, Hobson Shaw. Fuck that. I need Fast and Furious, Mario and Luigi, and I need it now. <laughs> so, so Cooper, right? Yeah. I think, I think Cooper. It's weird because it's kind of the same thing as Bowser. Yeah. Um, but also, Cooper is the name of the species. Yeah. Of of the little turtle people. So it's a weird sort of thing to call it. And I know that a lot of people were referring to him as King Cooper around this time. Like I think the Super Mario Brothers cartoon called him Kim King Cooper. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it's a bit of a weird um a bit of a weird sort of mixture of of things. But yeah, they could definitely introduce Bowser. Um, as a new character and he's he's changed the desert into this giant racing ring yeah and he challenges her dad the fungus king (laughs) to yeah a racing duel yeah it's it's like death race death race 2000 but with mario instead yeah i'm super on board with this in the in the sort of blade runner-ish world (laughs) yeah yeah it'll be great have you have you ever seen death race 2000 no i have not i'm aware of it yeah, it's uh, it's an it's an odd little movie, well known because it's got um, uh, Sylvester Stallone in a minor role. A minor role. Yeah. When does so... he ever do a minor role? <laughs> so so he's um, he's one of the other racers. So the main racer is David Carradine. Right. Um, he's like the hero of it, but then Sylvester Stallone is like the main rival, I guess, who's also taking part in this death race. Um. So they have to drive around and run over people, and they get points if they run over people. How does that map on to the order of priority of the pod racers from the Phantom Menace? <laughs> so, oh, that's a very important question that's, that I need an answer to right now. That that's tough because obviously you want the hero to be Anakin Skywalker, but David Carradine already at this point was a bit of a sort of grizzled veteran, right? So he's not really like because this was already in like the mid seventies. Um, so he's not really like the fresh faced youngster, but equally he's not like Sebulba, who's the bad guy. Sebulba, like Sebulba. Um, yeah, it's so... one of those films where it's like set in two thousand because two thousand was so far away, and now we're almost twenty years away from it, and everything's fucked up. <laughs> We haven't quite reached death race territory yet, but we're no. getting there. It's not it's not far off though, is it? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're after after the no, after a no deal Brexit, it's all that we'll have. We'll be reduced yes. to yeah, racing in the streets for scraps. That's all we're gonna have. It's gonna be brilliant. I'm gonna be there like running people down, stealing their stuff, singing the praises of Bojo as required by our glorious government. Bojo horseman. <laughs> oh dear um so super mario brothers (laughs) yeah so that's the sequel that we need but the film the one film that we exist that exists even if we never get that sequel is very very good i'm i'm a fan yeah i i i love it can i talk about the goombas i love the goombas of course you can talk it's so funny and the, the thing of them dancing and they're just like swaying to cheesy pop music that's that's my favorite thing about this whole film it's so funny and it's used 
to brilliant effect and with perfect comic timing as well because they sort of introduce it as a, a thing where they, they get out the lip by making the Goomba sway and then there's the what the friendly one um, that for some reason has a harmonica on like a Bob Dylan style harmonica holder because why not and then, <laughs> and then when it gets to the bit where Cooper's trying to shoot them and do some evil business the guy keeps calling him his like henchman keeps calling him and going sir the Goombas are dancing again <laughs> sir the Goombas are dancing again that's just the funniest shit I've ever seen or, or the, so best, good. the best bit where he's ordering a pizza and then later on in a dramatic moment you just get a message saying sir your pizza's here <laughs> Yeah, like that is extremely funny and really, really goofy. And if the whole film was like that, it might have gone down better just as a really screwball pizza goomba comedy. Yes, yeah, it's great. There's all these great moments. And it seems as though it was all, it all happened in spite of the director's intentions, didn't it? Um, yes. So, so just a few, a few little anecdotes and quotes about the directors of this movie who, one of them, they were a, a husband and wife directing team. Um, one of them has directed other stuff and I think the other one kind of stopped directing altogether. And are there any um, examples in film of a husband and wife director team working? Or even like a directorial team of more than one person? But there's lots that are more than one person directing and it working well. Um, the the one that springs to mind is Benson and Moorhead who directed Spring. Oh god, yeah. Um, who who all of their movies are incredible. That's an incredible film. Um the the one that they released the other year um is I can't remember the name of it at the moment but it's it's really clever, a great little mind-bending cult horror but also kind of meta film at the same time. Does it have romance in it? Can we do it on Halloween? It does not really have romance in it unfortunately, but we no, you should watch it anyway. I think it's on Netflix. Cool, cool. Um but there are other husband and wife directing teams. Um, so um, the the people who directed Little Miss Sunshine, I think, are a married couple. Oh, okay. Which obviously, you know, that's a great that's a great movie. Um, in terms of other sort of duos, I mean, you've got Quentin Tarantino is married to himself, of course. It's Quentin and Tarantino. Yeah. Um, you've got Lord and Miller, who did the Twenty One Jump Street movies and the Lego Movie. Was it them oh, who did the okay. Lego Movie? I don't know. But I enjoyed the Lego movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so on a plane. Oh, what a great place to watch it. It was actually, yeah. And so yeah, you've you've there are directing teams that work well together. Um which is nice. But this one did not. <laughs> to say yeah. the least. It seems um, like they took it very very seriously, but the the sort of goofy fun heart of it came out nonetheless. Yes, yeah. So so a few anecdotes about the direction they took it very very seriously but then let the goomba have a bob dylan style harmonica because why not <laughs> of course why not um so so bob hoskins said uh that the movie had a husband and wife team directing whose arrogance had been mistaken for talent uh which is pretty harsh um <laughs> dennis hopper said uh the husband and wife directing team were both control freaks and wouldn't talk before they made decisions um All right, so, sorry, sorry, carry on. <laughs> um, I'm just going to do some, some swaying, like the Goombas in the background <laughs> while you do that. And then according to John Leguizamo, um, one of the directing team, Rocky Morton, poured hot coffee on an extra's head because he didn't like the extra's costume. So nasty pieces of work who everybody hated. Um, and it's almost as though out of spite, this film has become this this masterpiece of... of bizarre strange curio 
Yeah, which only makes you kind of more inclined to look upon it kindly, really, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. So, you know what? Everyone involved in this movie, apart from the directors, we love you. We got your back. We'll stand for you. Absolutely. We are your friends. <laughs> we are your friends. Um, yeah. Especially Roland Joffe, who just worked on The Killing Fields, which is a film I have not seen, but I guess is kind of highbrow. Yes, yeah, that is a... Um... In fact, my only knowledge of The Killing Fields comes from Peep Show, and there's a there's a joke where they're talking about, uh, where Jeremy has just been denied sex, and he says, I guess this is what Mark must have felt like when I made him turn off that boring DVD, The Killing Fields. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good film, but obviously incredibly harrowing. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a strange thing to go from that to this. Yeah, and it's, I was reading just a little bit about him just wanting to do something different and, yeah, try, just wanting to, like, produce a film instead of directing and this was where he ended up. Yeah, it's a shame, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's good because what came out was good. It's true, it's true. But, you know, it must have been very disappointing to have sort of... Because this must have taken a lot of effort and to see it sort of destroyed in the press and by fans and to struggle financially after all of that and all of that pain of making it it's it must have been a real devastating blow really yeah and I, I read a thing saying loads of the people involved in it have never watched it and i think even if you know that it's going to be a total shit piece and that everyone's going to hate it you'd still want to see it just out of interest wouldn't you yeah i think so i think you'd want to really wouldn't you yeah i don't understand that I guess if you've acted in loads and loads of films and you're working on other projects, you're just like, yeah, whatever, I'll put that behind me. But I don't think anyone should put this film behind them because it's great. Yeah, it's it's really it's really great. It's this it's this super strange movie. There's no getting away from how strange it is. It's one of the bizarrest films I've ever seen. Yeah, it's totally unique. And for that reason alone, you've really got to watch it, haven't you? Just for something totally different. Yeah. Um. And what what's great is that. And it, it it does look fresh still, doesn't it? I think yeah. in terms of set design and just the overall design and look and feel of it, it it really has this strong personality. Yeah, I think it holds up really well. As you say, because it has so much personality and warmth and charm and a sense of fun about it, it actually, yeah, it holds up really well. Yeah, so watch it, everybody. But you also look at it and you're like, how did they get this from from like super mario brothers but then you watch it and you're like i can see how they arrived at this it's just that they went on a very very long and weird and intense journey to get there yes and and uh, constant script rewrites all the time uh led it from this is about two plumbers who fight a dragon monster king to save a princess to still kind of doing that but not quite but also they're plumbers from brooklyn and they're down on their luck Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, shout out to this film. Have you got anything else you want to share about it? No, I, th- I think I've covered, it. I've, I've covered it. I just, I love the Goombas. They're the best. They're so funny. It is. It is great. I, I love the Yoshi design because it's kind of, oh, yeah. it's kind of creepy, but really, really well done. It's, it's yeah, a really great piece of animatronic. Friend. And um, that must have been quite advanced for the time. Yeah, because that was, I'd say that's definitely on par with Jurassic Park's animatronic. Yeah, it, it looks very real. It's great. Yoshi did a great job. 
Yes, definitely. Do you have trivia? So I think I've pretty much covered most of the trivia here already. But one thing that I would point out is that this movie was considered for an Academy Award nomination for its special effects. Wow. Um, it didn't, Even though it was such a huge Yeah, shock. it didn't get it in the end. But you know what? Taking on consideration, just on its own, from a visual effects standpoint, it's pretty good for 1993. Yeah, really advanced. Me. And you get the feeling that the people who, who did the visual effects were really passionate about it and actually really, really cared and saw that part of it as almost separate from the rest of it, even though they must have known that what was going down on set was not good. But all of that stuff like seems to still... And I think actually that's the reason that it holds up, because as you say, if it looked really dated and, and shonky, you'd just be like, oh, yeah, all right. Yes, yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's good. I like it. This movie is excellent. It is. I'm just looking at the, the soundtrack thing. It's a George Clinton who covered the Was Not Was song, Walk the Dinosaur. I'm guessing that's the song that they danced to in the club. It is indeed. Uh, yeah, which is great. Released a single in 1993 that contained various other versions of the same song, including a club remix, a funky Goomba remix, and a Goomba dub mix. <laughs> Goomba dub mix. I really uh, love I that I want to hear that. I really love that song, and I really love George Clinton's. It's, oh, it's so good. It is great. Get on the it floor. really fits them dancing Everybody in the club the as dinosaur. well. The soundtrack to yeah. this movie is second to none. And I include the little, like, comedy the jaunts. <laughs> in the that. jaunty comedy theme. Yeah, everything, everything musically yeah. in this film I Which really is there love. until there's, like, a, a scene where they're sliding down a pipe on a mattress being chased by Goombas, also sliding down the pipe, and then it's, like, rock and roll. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It goes full on like back with the boys again as they're sliding down this pipe. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, oh, mate, this film. I'm so glad we rewatched it. Yeah, me too. This it was a good. It's a very, very good choice. For, yes. Yeah, so for a good week. So, how are we going to rate this? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm boy. thinking. Oh, how many times do you trust the fungus? <laughs> well, Luigi always trusts the fungus. He does always trust the fungus. <laughs> Mario's a bit more skeptical, so you have to be somewhere in between. But I'll give it a fifteen out of twenty. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's kind of fair because obviously you still have to objectively look at it and go, okay, it was this, it was this bomb, and there's a lot about it that doesn't work. It like in terms of being an adaptation of the Super Mario universe, it utterly fails at that. But what it does create is beautiful. So. Yeah, it's 7.5 out of 10, 15 out of 20. It's three quarters of the way there. Yeah, I'm going to give it uh, exactly the same number of points, I think. I'm giving it a 15 as well. Cool. This movie, not only is it an enjoyable adventure romp, but also it will give you the opportunity to learn some wonderful insults to throw at people. So not just son of a snake, etc. sucking son of a snake. But also butt breath. That breath biscuit yep. head, biscuit <laughs> head, <laughs> or overweening rogue. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, it's so good. Cool. So, what have we got next? So, up next, I was thinking, ah, oh, this is a flop that I really love, and I was thinking about how there's loads of flops that I really love, uh, and and there's something fascinating about looking at a movie that did really poorly be it critically or commercially or both and then thinking did this really deserve all the criticism that it got 
So we will be watching a movie that I think you've seen, that I've certainly watched a lot and love. We'll be watching Danny DeVito's Death to Smoochie. Oh, man, this is a great film. So good. My dad's been wanting to watch it as well. He's been going on about how he can't find it anywhere. Ah, okay. Yeah, I've got it on DVD somewhere. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> cool. No, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to get hold of it. But yeah, that's that's a very, very good idea. Yeah. So it's, that is a great film. So a, a, a movie. Well, I won't spoil it. But... Yeah. It's a movie that's one of the biggest box office bombs of all time, but is genuinely quite fascinating. And uh, I, yeah, let's let I'm I'm excited to to delve into it further next week. Sweet, that's great. Awesome stuff. So, got any more for any more? Um, well, I have. I just wanted to say that I have now seen all of Stranger Things three. Oh, I fi- finally managed to work around my child schedule and I've seen it all. So. Shall we just talk about that briefly? Yes. We've been, yeah, we've been going on about that for weeks. So, what did you think? I enjoyed it. I think I didn't like it as much as season two, which I think I really enjoyed a lot. That had all the perfect stuff with all the kids, and it was the, it was a good kind of follow-up, and it, it took what was in series one and then made it all really, really... Yeah, it brought it to another level, whereas this just kind of felt a bit more tacked on i mean i still really enjoyed it i was still here for the nostalgia there were some really really funny moments and the interaction between all the kids was great but it felt a bit more flat and i think just the like these supernatural elements just didn't really work as well it was just like oh yeah they're trying to reopen the gate the mind flayer's back the, the mind flayer's back here are some more monsters blah 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 it felt like they hadn't really tried as hard with that element of it and working that in to the the human stories which is why it was good in the first place right yeah that that's exactly how i feel about it is that they took something like the invasion of the body snatchers but they never actually did anything with that in terms of people not knowing who they could trust and who they couldn't trust which the the main thing behind invasion of the body snatchers and what every movie that or 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 story that apes on that does well is they play up on that paranoia and Stranger Things completely ignored that, which was a very weird thing to do because it would have played in perfectly with the plot. Um, but hey-ho, that was a weird decision to make. Um, and I thought they kind of wasted that mechanic that they could have used very well. And it all felt a bit hodgepodge. So I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as the other two seasons. And someone pointed out that Stranger Things would have worked really well as a anthology show. So each season they um, they take an entirely fresh story rather than continuing the mystery of the first one. Yeah. And I think that actually would have worked incredibly well um, where it's because once you take away the mystery of Stranger Things, it kind of takes away the danger as well. And throughout series three, you never felt that people were in danger apart from that final episode where the inevitable death happened that was obviously always going to happen. Yeah, someone someone was going to get killed by the big monster. Yeah, and it was obvious who was going to do it. Um, and one thing that annoys me, everyone goes on about how they love the never-ending story song moment. I, d- I did think that was cute. I hate it. <laughs> because it breaks up the tension in a place where it does so in a goofy, awkward way. And also, if that hadn't happened, the character who dies would quite clearly still be alive because they wasted a good two minutes singing a song. Yeah. That that's true. I can't so, argue with that. But so that shows you. I I liked that because I only really actually care about the 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 uh, like kids. Basically, I I only really care about Dustin's story. So see, it du- was his it was his moment. Dustin's so was my like, favorite yeah, of the kids. But I found apart from 
kind of I like Dustin and Steve together. I thought the the yeah. Steve Dustin gang was more interesting than the normal gang this time around, and I liked Max and Eleven, but I yeah. felt like they really wasted Will a lot given how important yeah. he was in the previous series this time he kind of just stood around looking scared. he was really wet and i didn't really care for the other characters too much either um no. so for me it was all about hopper because i love hopper Hopper's oh yeah, who yeah. i want to be um when i he's am obviously, that age. Spo- spoiler alert he's obviously not dead right oh yeah of course not at the end when yeah. they're talking about the american in the thingamajig and the fact that there's no horrible grotesque bloody body or remnants yeah. of a bloody body in the scene at the end, unlike what happened previously when the reactor went all funny. Um, it's obvious that he's still alive. But yeah, so even do we so, think the next season's going to go to Russia? I think the next season is going to be a lot of melodrama about the kids again, which is going to completely impact on not following a story again. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's going to be, <laughs> to, to be honest, I think there's going to be exactly the same issues. Yeah. It played were. it far too safe, didn't it? Yeah. That's the, that's the issue. It played it just, just really far too safe. It was like, what did people like about the first one? Like, um, oh, they liked the, the stories with the kids. They liked the nostalgia. Okay, fine. Let's have some more of that. And let's have Sean Astin in season two and let's have some more monsters and whatever that worked in season two. In season three, again, they just tried to do more or less the same thing. And it's like, actually, be bolder. Do something wild. Do some completely different monsters, you know? Yeah, and and what really failed this time around was that the second one, they continued the mystery, so they had more about Elle's past, which was yeah. interesting. And, and, which I really liked. Actually. And uncovering that was fascinating. This time around, there was no mystery whatsoever. From the word go, you knew exactly what was happening. That's exactly it. There, was, there wasn't any mystery at all. I, and the whole time I was watching it going, is this it? Is it really just going to be they're trying to reopen the gate? The, the mind flares back. It was like, is that it? And that was it. Yeah, because from the word go, you know, oh, Russians are trying to reopen the gate. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, you know, that would have been a huge mystery is finding out what mysterious group are trying to reopen this gate. But instead, they tell you it immediately. Uh, th- so there's no real mystery at all. And there's yeah. no real danger at all because the kids are always safe. It, it didn't well. feel ambitious at all. No, I think they no. thought that the characters could completely carry it. And they can't, with the possible exception of Dustin. Uh, Steve is my boy. I love Steve yeah. so much. And he I'd, is great. I'd watch an entire sort of mumblecore comedy series about the gang who work yeah. in the ice cream shop. And who yeah, yeah. the ice cream shop. I'd, I'd totally watch Comedy that. set in an ice cream shop. That's the kind of thing I would have written back when we were studying creative writing. So like, that, That's extremely my So shit. that whole element, and like the Steve mechanic in general, I think was really good. But overall, I felt it felt a little bit half-baked. Yeah, definitely. Half-baked Alaska because of the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, okay. Have you got anything else to share about Stranger nope, Things that, or about that, Super Mario? It. No. Both are good, but Super Mario Brothers is more worth your time than Stranger Things 3, honestly. If you haven't seen it, just go and watch it now. It's it's amazing. It is amazing. But also, I like I liked Stranger Things 3, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's still good. I'm still glad that it exists. It's still a very good thing in a very bad world. Yes, yeah. But yeah, it's no Super Mario Brothers In a world in which Boris Johnson and his cabinet of Goombas are trying to convince us that the backstop is (laughs) anti-democratic. Like, it's the most stop trying to make fetch happen thing in politics ever. It's as if they append the words anti-democratic to the word backstop, people will think that that's the truth when actually it's a mechanism to keep people 
peace in Ireland. Like, ugh. not to mention, let's, it's... let's not bang on about that shit, but fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'm going to just find is who came first, David Icke's love of the reptilian conspiracy uh... or Super Mario Brothers the movie. That's that's a good point actually, because yeah, was was David Icke still doing football at that point? I don't think so. I think the reptilian conspiracy was before before uh, Super Mario Brothers came out. But let's just find out. Mm, I don't know. That's that sounds. This sounds. I'm suspicious. Anyway, there's already more <laughs> jeopardy in this than there was in Stranger Things three. Ah, <laughs> uh, David Icke under rationalwiki.org has a section called list of reptilian overlords <laughs> do we know where david ike stands on the whole birds aren't real thing <laughs> does he believe that dogs can't look up yeah <laughs> yeah um, how would david ike deal with 30 to 50 feral hogs <laughs> that's what i want to know listeners how would you deal with 30 to 50 feral hogs yeah hog how, solutions how no. would you deal with 30 to 50 feral david ikes yeah or feral goombas or feral goombas to which we know the answer is you get them to dance exactly exactly um but yeah that that's our question for you that's yep. your homework answers on a postcard you can mail it to dino york is it called dino york dino hatton dino hatton it is yeah mail it to dino hatton yeah do it do it now yep and remember <laughs> to vote vote for cooper vote cooper and we'll be back for Death to Smoochie. Yeah, we, we certainly will. Great film. So yeah, as if you like what we do, leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod or in the emails Big Boys Don't Crow Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ba-bom. Ba-bom. We forgot to mention that there's a ba-bom. Is it ba-bom? ba-bom. Yeah, ba-bom. Yeah, anyway. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.